Just Blaze. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Uh. Killer. All the girls see the. Look at his kicks. Look at his car. All I say is. Look, mommy, I'm no good. I'm so hood. Clap at your soldier. Sober. Then leave after it's over. Killer. I'm not your companion. Or your man stand. Don't hit me when you want to get free. Four.com's DFS MVP. I'm Holden Kushner with Four for Fours, director of DFS, TJ Hernandez. We've got a big show for you. Episode 140. We got a great game theory segment with site specific ownership projections. But first, as we always do, TJ. Who is this? I uh, got a, another classic for the DFS MVP Spotify uh, intro music here. Oh boy from Cameron featuring Joel Santana from the 2002 album. Come home with me. You can find that song as well as all of the other great intros on the playlist that I just mentioned. Go to Spotify, search DFS MVP or go to my Twitter I usually tweet out the link to the playlist along with the podcast. Before we get into everything today, I want to remind you guys that Underdog Fantasy has released an all-new format for their snake drafts called Battle Royale. These are one-week snake drafts. You don't only play against your league. You play against other leagues in a tournament-style format. Search Underdog Fantasy in the App Store or go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the code 4 for 4 That's the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4, to let them know that we sent you. Let them know that we did it. Please. So we got our week value 7 plays. Yep. We're going to try and accurately predict ownership across mm -hmm. the sites which is not an easy thing to do no i don't even know how you guys sometimes. do it how do you guys even do it math everything's math yeah but that doesn't even seem like math would say <laughs> no it is it is it's i mean we'll we'll get into it it's all right so sign up now with the promo code dfs mvp for 25 percent chance off the uh for 25 percent chance well, it's not a chance. Just get 25% off the discounted price. Yeah. And then you go on our Discord channels with the sub. I can't believe that was as difficult as it was, TJ. You have taken over the lead as the master of the reads on this show. It's absolutely amazing. You've come so far now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> any thoughts before we get into this slate? That was my goal, to to be the master of the ad reads. Yeah, all the other stuff, the advice, the 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 winning GPPs, that's all yeah. secondary. If the ad reads are good, we're, we're winning. I must say. It's, it's an impressive feat. I didn't have you pegged for it. So let's get into these players here. Let's yeah. just do it right away. Because there's a good old-fashioned shootout in the West, at least it could be, between Seattle and Arizona. And Kyler Murray leading the way at quarterback in your fourth place. Yeah, we have a couple shootouts uh, this week, but this one really stands out. Last week was a pretty unique slate in that we didn't have uh, a lot of the elite tier quarterbacks on the main slate this week they're pretty much all back uh so it's it's kind of uh pick your poison among those elite guys kyler murray stands out as a value um obviously a lot of it comes down to pricing we have kyler 8400 fandle 7100 on DraftKings versus seattle a lot of people are going to look at russ in that game and say what about russ well he's slightly more expensive so always comes down uh to the cost there we know the floor with Kyler Murray. He leads all quarterbacks in rushing with 370 yards, and uh, he has a great opponent in, in Seattle. Well, Russ has been super efficient throwing the ball. His defense has uh, gave, given up almost as much as, as he's gained through the air. They rank 31st in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. 
to opposing quarterbacks. And what really uh, strikes me about this matchup when it comes to Kyler Murray specifically is that Seattle has uh, played a lot of zone coverage in their secondary, second highest rate of zone coverage according to Sports Info Solutions. And that's where Murray has tacked on that ceiling as a passer to go along with his rushing floor. Uh, 6.1 yards per attempt versus man coverage, that spikes to 8.2 yards per attempt when he plays zone. Uh, One thing that we always want to look at is your quarterback going to lose value from turnovers or getting sacked a lot. Doesn't look like it with Seattle. They have the second lowest adjusted sack rate according to Football Outsider. So when Kyler doesn't run, he should have plenty of time to throw. He's a top two value uh, on four for four for both FanDuel and DraftKings, but he's our top overall value on FanDuel. It's just the legs, man. This guy can use his legs so well. That first half this past week, he just he just ran all over the Cowboys. It was crazy. Cowboys are are in a they're in a weird place, man. There's a lot going wrong with that organization <laughs> right now. Man. It's been that way for a while though. So you are the first uh, person to for me to see this this week in the industry. It's very early mm-hmm. in the week on Wednesday, but sure. I will give you credit if he hits then. Joe Burrow, 7,100 FanDuel, 5,500 DraftKings taking on that porous Cleveland team. Before we get into Burrow, can we just talk about OBJ real quick? Because this dude's having a rough go of it. What's he talking about? Well, first of all, he can't get COVID. He said his body uh, yeah, can't get I mean. COVID. What, yeah, you, so he's talking about that. He we also, should study him. Right. He likes the Cleveland steamer and his LSU is alma mater. Won't even let him around the program anymore because he gave him money. So he's banned for two years. That's a hell of a, uh, of a headline with, with a hell of a tagline to go with it. There's a lot going on with that dude right now. Anyways, on the other side, Joe Burrow has some weapons. AJ green. He's alive. I guess T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Burrow's got some guys to throw it to. Yeah. And uh, I mean, like I mentioned with Kyler, we've, this show and, and just fantasy in general has been dominated by the stud quarterbacks. And we've talked about it on here before. It's because there's so many guys in that elite tier. Now, like we have five or six guys that are kind of ahead of the field um, every week. So though they're kind of getting into that obvious play range and all priced similarly. So I wanted to get out of that range a little bit, um, especially with Joe Burrow this week, because even with all of those guys, he's priced low enough, at least on DraftKings where he is our our top value over there. And if you look at ceiling projections, he's a top four value on FanDuel. Uh, So just a a salary-saving option in a week where a lot of the quarterback pricing and ownership is really going to be bunched up um, around a few guys, especially on FanDuel. But as you mentioned, uh, Cleveland, they've really struggled in their secondary, and this should be a relatively high-scoring game, not – crazy like the Arizona Seattle game we mentioned but still an over under of 50 Cincinnati is an underdog but the spread is only three and a half so that uh, implies that both teams should put up decent scoring numbers around like over that three touchdown mark close to that four touchdown mark for both teams Uh, Cincinnati even when they haven't like their their volume is definitely inflated because they've um, been behind a lot or because they've just been in high scoring games, but even in neutral uh, situations, fourth highest passing rate. So they're, they're going to throw the ball a lot regardless of the situation And Cleveland, uh, their numbers against quarterback 21st when adjusted against uh, for strength of schedule, 
They are only 20th in adjusted sack rate, so they haven't really been getting after the quarterback. Uh, but that back end is really where they've struggled. Cleveland's 31st in schedule-adjusted points allowed to opposing wide receivers. And kind of that's the reason I, I like Burrow, because he's propped up by all of the guys that you men- mentioned. We've seen uh targets kind of concentrated with Tyler Boyd and, and T Higgins the past few weeks but then AJ Green after his uh, what we thought was going to be a trade request and him giving up on the season uh had a decent game himself uh T Higgins serving as as kind of the deep threat with a high average depth of target Tyler Boyd doing work in the slot uh AJ Green kind of available to do it everywhere and then Joe Mixon popped up on on the practice report today so uh, uh on the did not practice report I believe either limited or, or did not practice but that's that's something to watch. So if Geo's in there, it could be uh, even more passing than usual. So I'm looking at Joe Burrow as my price saver this week. Okay. Joe Burrow, price saver. Uh, we could just stay with that game too, which yeah. is interesting because in the old days you think, uh, it's the Browns and the Bengals and they're just going to suck and the game's not going <laughs> to score. And and now it's, it's just odd because the Browns can't stop anybody. Mm-hmm. And well, the Bengals can't either. So let's just go to the running backs here and Kareem Hunt. Yeah. So the f- last two weeks, we've been waiting to use them since last year. Now Chubb's down. Last two weeks, tough matchups. What was it? The uh, Steelers and the Colts. Now he gets uh, the yeah. Bengals. I mean, 7,100 Fandle, 6,800 DK. How do you not play him? Yeah, finally, finally softens up a little bit for him. I mean, everybody was super excited when, um, not excited that Chubb got hurt, but excited that Hunt was going to get a, a crack at the starting job because a lot of people were high on Hunt coming into the season, even uh, as part of a tandem. So uh, without uh, Chubb in there, Hunt 16.7 touches per game. Like nothing crazy that jumps off the page, but if you look at those two games you mentioned against Indian Pittsburgh, tough matchups, still saw 40% of the team touches um, in both of those games. And that's that's kind of like that precipice where you're in that elite tier. Right now there's only three running backs in the league that are accounting for uh, over 40% of their team's touches on the season. So if Hunt stays above that 40% in this good matchup against Cleveland, then uh, this could be the spot where he really blows up. As we mentioned, the spread there uh, favors the Browns. It's not a huge spread, but if, if we are expecting one team to be in a positive game script, uh, it should be Cleveland. This sets up as arguably the best offensive line versus defensive line matchup in favor of the Browns running attack. Cleveland is second in adjusted line yards produced by their offensive line. Cincinnati's bottom 10 defensive line in terms of adjusted line yards produced against them, according to our friends over at Football Outsiders. So uh, down in the trenches, Cleveland should be beating up Cincy pretty good, and that's obviously going to bode well for our man Kareem. Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. And the other guy, see, this is the type of week, though, at running back where it scares me because mm-hmm. the plays are just so obvious. And then, like yeah. we saw a couple of weeks ago, they just it all crashed. But we've got to do our best to look at the best plays. And on paper, right now, Aaron Jones, 8,500 FanDuel, 7,200 on DraftKings at Houston. I mean, there's, there's a great running back against the worst rushing defense maybe maybe second worst one of the two worst there is yeah i mean really our top two running backs basically against the the bottom two rushing defenses aaron jones here against houston and then camara against carolina and you you 
you said it basically besides those guys and maybe one or two other guys like there aren't a lot of players in really good spots joe mixon on the injury report as we mentioned uh mike davis and james robinson both in really really tough spots um chris carson offense that's going to air it out all of a sudden so not a lot of choices so i think we're going to see pretty concentrated ownership on our running backs this week but uh I, I i picked aaron jones here specifically because he is so much cheaper than camara uh eight hundred dollars less than camara on FanDuel, seven hundred dollars less than camara on DraftKings. um if you're playing cash you could definitely make uh try to make uh, a way where you get both of these guys on your team because running back is so thin this week. But uh, if you're going to go with the value, it's Aaron Jones in a game with a 57 point over under green Bay favored by three and a half. You talked about the, the worst run defense in the league. We saw uh, the big dog, Derrick Henry get real nasty on, on Houston last week. And Aaron Jones is, uh, has as much upside as any running back in the league. Not, not going to carry it, 30 times but is going to get a lot of work in both the running game and the passing game top 10 in percentage of team touches and what's really valuable is that target upside fourth and targets inside the 10 yard line that's across all positions and then tied for fourth in rushes inside the 10 yard line so if uh even if it's a if it's an aaron Rodgers game and he's airing it out all over houston aaron jones is going to make up for any lost touches with touchdown equity uh so he's in a in a fantastic spot this week oh yeah those two just stand out and then wide receiver we got a little bigger pool mm-hmm. so because it's wide receivers uh kenny galladay <laughs> taking on atlanta that sieve of a pass defense 7600 Fanduel, 6700 DraftKings. i was asked by my daughter to explain how you win money at daily fantasy and i just said play the best players against the teams that are really bad at stopping those players. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That's what we're just continuing to try to do here with Kenny Galladay. Yeah. And Kenny Galladay and Detroit in general, um, we were on Atlanta last week. If, if you're in the four for four discord, um, as the opposing, uh, offense to, to target in GPPs, uh, because the Vikings were like the mega chalk last week. Uh, and it's looking like Atlanta could be trending towards being one of the chalkiest offenses of the week, at least the passing game with Calvin and, and Julio in a really good spot on the other side. But I like the Detroit side of this because of that. Uh, Galladay is going to be a good standalone option, but this is going to be a, a good game to stack in general. Um, Atlanta is 22nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. They're last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. They are one of four defenses with two cornerbacks that have been targeted at least 20 times and allowing at least eight yards per target. Uh, Galladay taking over that alpha role that we expect him to have uh, when he's healthy, 23% target share, 35% of Detroit's air yards when he's been active, uh, top two value on both sides, according to four for four projections. And, and like I said, I just, I think this is a really good game to stack on both sides. I think Atlanta is going to be pretty popular. Even if Matt Ryan is only like a, a six or 7% owned quarterback, we could see him combined with two guys that are 20% owned if people stack that side. So you could go Stafford sub 5%, bring it back with Galladay that might be slightly lower owned than, than Ridley and uh, Julio, and then throw in a 3% Marvin Jones, uh, TJ Hawkinson will be a popular tight end but no tight end is going to draw like 20 or 30 percent ownership so i like stacking the detroit side this week yeah that's an interesting game i think uh 
It's definitely a spot where there's expecting a lot of points too. What are we in the? Mm-hmm. We're in the upper fifties, right? We're fifty six and a half. Yeah, I believe that one's at. Yep, I think that there's two or three right around. Yeah, there's fifty six, fifty seven. There's like six games over fifty now. Yep. AJ Brown, sixty eight hundred Fanduel, sixty three hundred DraftKings, taking on Pittsburgh. Corey Davis is back. Does that do anything? Um, it makes people roster Corey Davis and lose money, I guess. Uh, AJ Brown is, is the guy in this offense. Um, especially with, with John who banged up a little bit. I know there's calling John who's injury minor, um, but it's still an injury to a pass catcher that has been very good. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's go those looks. If John who's out will be dispersed to, um, the the ancillary players it could just be more of their primary wide receiver against a pittsburgh defense that ranks 30th in schedule adjusted points to opposing wide receivers i mentioned atlanta one of the defenses with two cornerbacks allowing at least eight yards per target pittsburgh is one of those other four defenses as well even though they have a really good pass rush they've kind of struggled on the back end and aj brown affordable like 6800 fanduel 6300 DraftKings, he's come back and and basically been like wide receiver one uh fantasy points but we haven't seen that that uh salary spike a lot yet uh eight targets per game he's tied to a super efficient passer in Ryan Tannehill Ryan Tannehill's top 2 in fantasy points per pass attempt so we always like having a receiver that's tied to an efficient passer which is why we love someone like Russell Wilson pass catchers and and Tannehill's like basically right there with Wilson in terms of efficiency this year, believe it or not. And then if you're just thinking about how this game can go down, Tennessee's defense has has been awful. They're one of two defenses that rank in the bottom 10 and schedule adjusted points to every single skill position. So kind of like we saw with like the Buccaneers last year, if Tennessee's just giving it up all the time, then they're going to have no choice than for Tannehill to be efficient, AJ Brown to have a lot of volume to keep up with teams. So, A.J. Brown. Yeah, it's almost like the algorithms don't realize that he missed the first few games with injuries and not with just bad right, performance. Right, right. It's, it's, it right. doesn't it's make like, sense. Right, exactly. That's exactly what, what his pricing is like. Yep. All right, Terry McLaurin. He's gonna be, I think he's going to be popular this week. Love yeah. it. Love the matchup. Love the, the uh, work that he's getting, the targets. 7,100 Fandle, 5,800 DraftKings. He's a yak daddy, too. Yards after the catch. He's right yep. up there among the league leaders league leaders and everything and i I think he'll be somewhat popular like any wide receiver drawing around 15 percent ownership is is you know it's he's not really contrarian but it's just he's one of those players that it feels like he should be up in that like ridley galladay ownership projection it feels like he's going to be just like a slight tier behind them like he's he's not going to be the most popular guy so i think you still get a little bit of equity if you're if you're going really heavy on him and and people just i think people are just a little scared by the offense by the team in general so i I would say this is a spot where like he should be like 25 percent owned and he might be like 14 or 15 percent owned but um he's a huge part of the offense top six in target share uh not only is he yards after catch guy but he also gets deep targets second and air yard share so he can he can really beat you both ways after the catch or just by beating you deep and then uh this is a spot against dallas they have a cornerback that's bottom 10 in target rate 
And then they have their two other quarterbacks, bottom 10 in fantasy points per target. So Terry McLaurin, wherever he lines up, he lines up all over the field, going to be in a really good matchup regardless of who he's facing. Dallas 27th in schedule-adjusted points allowed to opposing wide receivers. And we'll, we'll touch on this a little bit more in a minute, but um, Washington is only a, a one-point underdog. Dallas, like in total disarray, it's crazy to say, but this kind of feels like a spot where, like, Terry McLaurin can blow up and, and Washington gets, like, a nice win. Like, a, a I don't want to say a huge win. They're going to blow out Dallas, but, uh, I mean, I, I could see him dropping, like, a, a 30-35 spot on Dallas. This is, yeah, this is a rivalry game, and I know that things aren't supposed to carry over, but weird things happen in this series. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is really just odd things that we've seen. Santana Moss has just caught bombs in the last <laughs> yeah. Just rando dudes have had yeah. monster games. So Yeah, and, I mean, you just think if if the, the way game flows go, if, if a game gets out of hand, I mean, it's often just because things are crumbling for a team. And, like, there's no team that, that things are crumbling more for than Dallas. So if, if they look like they did on Monday night, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, pick sixes or something like that. If if they're, if they give up a, a strip sack turnover in their own territory, you know, all of a sudden Washington – they're up two or three touchdowns. Like the, the ball can really get rolling down the hill on, on Dallas team. That's just uh, really struggling in every aspect right now. So let's go to tight end Hunter Henry, 5,800 Fandle, 4,800 DraftKings. He just, he seems like a nice little safe play this week against Jacksonville. Hasn't really shown that he can win you a slate, but uh, he's definitely not going to lose it. It's an interesting price of 4,500. Cause I wonder if you think there's any options below him that might be interesting right around that price point and just above him, but Hunter Henry, there's a lot going uh, on here. We Well, yeah, we got a trio of guys in the Hunter Henry range. Uh, 5,800 Fandle, 4,500 DraftKings, TJ Hawkinson, Hunter Henry, Robert Tanyan. Um, I think a lot of, especially cash games, can swing on who picks right here. Uh, Hunter Henry, I think, is probably in the most favorable favorable spot in terms of what he's shown in volume, how big of a part of the offense he is, and how his team's game flow is projected to go. Uh, the Chargers are seven and a half point favorites. They they have a sneaky implied point total of twenty eight point five. That's high. I feel like it's really going to go overlooked when we have the Seattle's and the Green Bay's and the Kansas City's with uh, point totals in that like twenty eight to thirty range. I feel like the the Chargers are kind of going to get lost in the mix there. Hunter Henry six point eight targets per game. He's the only uh, that's the highest on the slate besides Kelsey or Kittle. Uh, the only tight end averaging over six targets with an average depth of target above eight. Uh, and I mean, if we're just looking at that range, Hawkinson is, is in a good spot against Atlanta who ranks last in adjusted points to the position. But what is Hawkinson's floor? He's his, his scoring is, has kept him afloat and made his fantasy scoring look very consistent, but under 20 yards in back-to-back games, Robert Tanyan was what fourth in targets on the Packers last week yep. um, with behind uh, obviously Devonte and then Aaron Jones and MVS, I believe. So I don't know how much you can rely on his volume, even though green Bay has a ton of touchdown equity there. So 
I think a lot of people are going to be looking at those three priced very similarly, and I'm going to put my money on Hunter Henry. Then and now you have a test coming up. What? You have to pronounce this. Albert Akuebunum. There it is, like a professional. Albert Akuebunum. Say it with me. <laughs> Akuebunum. It's Albert O. Albert O. Albert Akuebunum. Anyways, 4,800 FanDuel, 2,500 DraftKings. Take it on Kansas City. If you want to punt, that's where you're going? Uh, that's where I'm going on DraftKings. And this is tied into uh, what we're going to be talking about in a little bit uh, because of the difference in salary floor at the position between the two sites. But I do think just from the theory that we're talking about and because I said DraftKings specifically that this is a play that could possibly gain a little traction as we get into the weekend. Because as you mentioned, below Hunter Henry range, like there isn't really a play that stands out. I mean, just looking at DraftKings pricing, Dalton Schultz is under 4K, but how much do you trust anybody in that offense? Logan Thomas is 35, but how much do you trust him after he's only seen four targets in the last three games? And then it's just really nothing under 3K or, or even under 4,500. So uh, Albert O, six targets last week. That accounted for 25% of Denver's targets with Noah Fant out. What was really intriguing was that he saw 86 air yards. That was the most of any tight end last week besides Rob Gronkowski, who he's not on the main slate, but if he was, I had a feeling we'd be talking about him as a value, but uh, that's, a, that's a different discussion. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, Albert O is a he, – he's going to be a running back option because Kansas City is they're, – they're a big favorite. Um, they are projected for a lot of points. They're going to be a very popular offense. It's they're, they're, they're not going to find our way in our value columns a lot because it's hard to trust any of them for cash games. Cause they spread it out so much. Um, they're often not going to be in our tournament columns because they're never really going to be under owned. They're always just going to be like popular high scoring and, and kind of pick your poison, but people are, are going to stack them. They're going to be popular. And then the natural inclination is going to be to run it back with wide receivers. Uh, Kansas city has been not only really good against wide receivers, but they've barely allowed any deep balls to wide receivers. So a guy like Tim Patrick, who might seem sneaky because he has a high average depth of target. He's been seeing a, a target spike. Um, I don't think he's going to perform well against the, the way Kansas city plays their defense, not allowing anything deep. So uh, Albert O is he's might be the sneaky run it back option. If you're playing Kansas city stacks. Say it, say it. Akue Boonam. Akue Boonam. How easy was that? Don't don't be lazy. Come on. You're a stand-up. You're a you're a face of this organization here. You must lead the way. It's it's more fear than laziness. I fear ridicule. I don't blame you. Bills, five thousand <laughs> and forty seven hundred on DraftKings. Chiefs forty six hundred and forty three hundred. Yep. So huge favorites here with the Bills against yeah. the Jets. And then the Chiefs. By the way, uh, we might want to do a little weather primer next week because yes. we are getting here. It's going to be 70 on Saturday, and the low by midnight is going to be 19. Ooh, that is a 51-degree swing. My head is going to explode, and it's going to be cold out here, man, with snow. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so I mean that uh, that could could obviously affect things a little bit in terms of our expectation for scoring. Um, I don't think it should change things in terms of how much the Chiefs are going to be favored by. I think they'll stay a big favorite. Uh, and then we, I mean, we we almost always have to mention anytime there are these huge favorites because they're always going to be in consideration because the best game script or the best way for defenses to score fantasy points is to get up by a lot and force def or offenses to, to throw, especially offenses that aren't good. And the bills and the chiefs both fit that bill. No pun intended this week. Um, both offenses, the jets and the Broncos bottom 10 and schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses. They're both really bad at protecting the passer bottom 10, uh, in adjusted sack rate. So bills and chiefs in, in a really good spot this week. And, you know we're going to have to have some kind of Buffalo Bills talk at some point. We didn't talk about him in offense at all, so I had to throw some Bills love in there. I mean, Josh Allen sucked as a quarterback and gave us 30 points last week. Man. <laughs> and uh, It's amazing. Yeah, and he gets the Jets this week. So, yeah, he's uh, – Well, ob- obviously, if you if you – open up some four four articles you're gonna you're gonna see his name in there quite a bit this week okay so what are you doing with josh allen this week because i know you're biased toward playing him but given that they could be up so much does that does that limit his ceiling any by the way my answer is no no, i'm just asking no no i mean the these these like blowout spots if if it's if it gets to the point where a team isn't even thinking about throwing anymore, that means that their quarterback and offense had an insanely efficient day to get there. And Josh Allen, a lot of that can come with his legs anyway. Um, so yeah, if, if they're in a spot where they're up 35 to seven, uh, Josh Allen probably already had a tournament type winning day anyway. And coming off of two down games, he's probably going like the, the as I mentioned up top with Kyler, we're going to see quarterback ownership bunched up a lot. But uh, if he had continued his tra- trajectory from the first four weeks, he might be like a 17 or 20 percent on quarterback against the Jets, which is insanely high. And now he'll probably be around like seven to 10, which is fine. You know, it's 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 not crazy, but uh, they're they're an offense that isn't going to draw a ton of ownership just especially if John Brown is out just because after digs, like I don't think people really trust anyone besides Allen. So you're going to be able to get them in a really good spot at relatively low ownership for the team. The Washington football team. Oh boy. Hmm. I'm just staring at him right now thinking about what horrible things that front seven can do to Andy Dalton. Yeah. I wonder if Andy Dalton just wasn't as bad as he looked on Monday night. Sure. I mean, there that's that's definitely a real possibility. I don't I mean Andy Dalton's a a long time starter in this league. I don't think he's gonna go out there and and be like the the most inefficient quarterback in history all of a sudden. Um but as I mentioned before, this game is it's only a one point spread. Uh Dalton just I mean, there there is a chance that he can't get it together behind this line because let's face it, like they were already having some protection issues and now they're going to be down to what their, their third string left tackle, which is um, maybe the most important position besides 
quarterback, maybe center um, on offense in terms in terms of how the offense is going to flow. Washington is uh, top three in adjusted sack rate in the league, as you mentioned, arguably the best front seven behind the Steelers. So they're going to put a lot of pressure on a really banged up offensive line. They're 3800 on Fandle, which is really cheap. We, it's Anything below $4,000 on Fandle is, is really cheap. And then, obviously, we've talked about the floor a couple times, 2500 on DraftKings. Um, those, those punt defenses on DraftKings just really change what you can do on that site. So, my friends, I love snake drafts. I know TJ loves snake drafts. We all love mm-hmm. snake drafts. We love big prizes. But we do not... All love big entry fees or multi-week contests. So Underdog Fantasy just released an all-new format for their snake drafts. It's called Battle Royale. In Battle Royale, you draft once-a-week team like you normally would, but instead of competing against the other teams in your specific draft, you compete with teams from the other drafts. So this way, they pull together the prizes so they can offer big tournament-style payouts, and you keep the live snake draft format alive. So I love that. If you think this is your week, you can draft the best team, try Battle Royale. You gotta. It offers the big upside, normal snake draft camp, prizes that used to only be attainable in season-long or salary cap tournaments. The first Battle Royale is already up in the Underdog app and website. It's 5 bucks to enter, $5, has a $25,000 prize pool, pays out $5,000 to first place. So here we go. Our theory segment. Game theory segment. Site sensitive ownership projections, how to do it accurately. Mm-hmm. This is wonderful. I don't think we've done this one yet, have we? Uh, no, we, I mean, we've definitely talked about like what ownership looks like on sites, um, how, how winning players are, are building lineups in terms of ownership. Um, and we do s- ownership projections every week on 444, but I'm always trying to hone it and, and make it accurate. But, uh, I, I think what I want to accomplish here in this conversation is that I, I think people can understand a couple really what is going to seem like simple nuances that can really change how you build tournaments um, across both sites and change your profitability in terms of just expect value of how you build lineups. Um, yeah, we haven't really talked about it because I mean, I don't expect anybody to do their own ownership projections every week when sites like us will, will do it for you. Um, but I think it's important to understand why it's different. And especially this year, I, it seems like anecdotally, there's been some, there, there's kind of been a gap driven between what Fandle and DraftKings um, are doing and how people are approaching the site. It's always been different. Obviously, there's the scoring's different, um, the pricing's different. Uh, that that's going to change things up. But in general, in the past, like we've seen, pretty similar. Like the popular players are going to be popular, and the not popular players aren't going to be popular. And that's kind of been, unless there's some crazy pricing difference, you're usually not going to see much of a gap. But uh, yeah, I think it's important to kind of dig into this and and understand what's going on specifically this year. All right, show me how to do this. So what have we noticed about the differences right now between ownership on FanDuel and then DraftKings? Yeah, so what I, I did this week is um, I went back and I, I looked at every um, ownership percentage for um, every player that's that's been on a significant number of, of rosters or scored a significant number of, of points 
and I I just looked at the DraftKings Millionaire and the FanDuel Sunday Million because it's the easiest data to access. It's it's the biggest game, uh, and and I think it just kind of no matter what tournament you're playing, it's going to kind of encompass how you should be thinking about how player uh, ownership can can be impacted or what it's going to look like um, across the site. So I looked at all of these ownership percentages and compared it FanDuel and DraftKings. And I just want to see like, where are these big gaps? Are there any trends or anything? Uh, so the first thing that stood out to me was that I just like, what are the biggest gaps first? So just, I wanted to look for gaps where there was like a 10% ownership gap. Um, so for example, if one player is 10% on DraftKings, are they at least 20% on FanDuel? And I found uh, there's been that's happened 27 times this year. So about four or five players per week have a gap of 10% um, in ownership between the two sides. So that doesn't seem like a lot, but it can definitely have a huge impact on on how your um, what your expectation is going to be when you're building your lineup. The really interesting thing was that of those 27 instances, 23 we saw the higher ownership on FanDuel. So when there was a, an ownership gap of at least 10%, 23 out of 27 times, it was a higher owned player on FanDuel. Only four times, it was a higher owned player on DraftKings. So obviously, like the, the natural question is like, what, what was the difference? What were some uh, tendencies that we saw? Um, or was the, were there even any? So when the ownership gap was bigger on Fandle, when the player was higher owned on Fandle by at least 10%, um, it was one, almost always players that were already like chalky-ish. So double-digit ownership. So um, of those 23 players that had a big gap higher on Fandle, only four of them had single-digit ownership on DraftKings. So 23 out of 27 were double-digit ownership on both sides. So that's that's kind of interesting. And then... 15 of the 23 were priced $6,000 or higher on both FanDuel and DraftKings. So they weren't like cheap guys that were drawing higher ownership on FanDuel. They were mid-tier to high-priced guys. Um, only five of of the players that saw a big gap in ownership were, um, were low-priced guys. Priced below $5,000 on both sides, priced below $4,000 on DraftKings. So when the ownership was bigger... On DraftKings, when, when a player was 10% or more owned, which, again, I, I mentioned only happened a handful of times, they were all cheap players, sub $5,000 on DraftKings, sub $4,000. Um, I'm sorry, sub $5,000 on FanDuel, sub $4,000 on DraftKings. Similar thing, if I, it, that's a small sample. You might say only 27 instances. If I zoomed out to like player where there was like a 7% ownership gap, uh, it was st still the same result. Much bigger sample, up to like 50 or 60 instances now, but still that the when it favored DraftKings, when the player was higher owned on DraftKings, uh, the average salary was around four thousand. The average salary was around fifty five hundred on DraftKings, um, and then it was just a, a a more expensive player when they were more popular on on Fanduel. So like in that sixty five hundred dollar range on average. So I mean just from a pure looking at the data standpoint, the most obvious thing is like these chalky expensive players when they're there's a big gap. It's higher on Fandle. Hmm. You know what's causing it? Uh, I, I have an idea. Um, and I mean, again, we a, a lot changed this this year. Um, not so much on, on Fandle, but a lot on, on DraftKings. Uh, so 
again, going back, like looking at past years, I don't remember it being this common for us to see these big ownership gaps. Um, and I think one cause of it is how tight salaries are on DraftKings, how loose salaries are on FanDuel. And it's not just like tight versus loose. We talk about that a lot um, on this podcast. And, and I've seen some some confusion in what we mean by that in, in replies to that. Um, but you just have to understand how pricing is set up on both sites. And a lot of times, not always, and, and FanDuel's adjusted to this. We could see it like even just this week. But a lot of times... FanDuel is going to have slightly lower, um, they're, they're expensive or their mid-tier guys are going to account for a slightly lower percent of the salary cap than on DraftKings. Um, not all the time, like like some guys are priced up at 9K this week on FanDuel that are down at 7,800 on, on uh, DraftKings. But like we've seen week three, Derrick Henry was 7,800 on DraftKings, 8,200 on FanDuel. Um, Jonathan Taylor, um, seen 7,000, 7,000 on both sides. Uh, last week, Alexander Madison, James Conner, James Robinson, all basically priced the same on both sides, but also very popular. So what I think is happening is when the chalky players, especially expensive one, are similarly priced, aka accounting for a lower percentage of the salary on FanDuel, that's driving their ownership way up. And then on top of that, DraftKings changed their salary structure this year. So not only did they keep the floor for defense and tight end, where we, what this is what really stood out to me this week, but one thing that I, we talked about this earlier in the year, and I think some people kind of have brushed over it. They raised their floor on some other positions. So when we have a tight end or a defense that has this crazy low floor on DraftKings compared to the salary cap, their ownership is getting driven way up. Only on DraftKings, though. And then on FanDuel, these mid or expensive price players that are chalky but priced similarly, they're seeing their ownership go through the roof. So like a like an Alexander Madison last week, he was 7200 on DraftKings, $7,000 on on FanDuel. He's going to be chalky on both sides, but he was only 23% owned in the millionaire. He was 43% owned in the Sunday million. Um, and that's just because you can afford that chalk player way more. You don't need to punt that tight end or defense on FanDuel to get to him like you do in DraftKings. So it just leads to really different roster builds. So you're going to see more of a studs and duds, duds approach on DraftKings. And even then, when it's a studs and duds approach, people aren't able to roster three or four players in that top tier. We're on FanDuel. We're seeing more of an even salary distribution because they don't have that crazy low floor for defense and tight end. So you're able to roster an Alexander Madison with a Jonathan Taylor with a James Robinson. So their ownership's getting driven way up on DraftKings. You just can't roster all three of those guys together. Um, So really when what we're looking for is when we see these like mid-tier or semi-high-tier guys that are priced almost exactly the same on FanDuel and DraftKings that are also going to be chalky plays, you can expect their ownership to skyrocket on FanDuel. And in those same weeks, when you have like those Trey Burtons or those whatever it is, the the defenses that are in that 2,500 range, we're going to see their ownership in the double digits on DraftKings 
12, 13, 14%, where on FanDuel, it's going to be much lower single digit. They might not even be on the radar, those low pro priced defenses or yeah. tight ends. Just because this pricing is softer too, I mean. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really like a, a fascinating phenomenon that I don't think a lot of people are are catching on to, at least not yet. Do you prefer DraftKings to FanDuel? Um, I play them both for everything. Okay. I prefer DraftKings, Cash Games, and FanDuel GPPs just okay. because I think that FanDuel is a the, – the way the scoring is set up, it's it's going to be more touchdown dependent. You're not getting bonuses for its yardage bonus. But if you think about it, it's really a volume bonus because the guys that are getting the most targets, the most touches that are in the best offenses, they're going to get the bonuses the most often. Um, so there it, it adds a level of predictability. You're able to project volume, not um, touchdowns. So things like full PPR favors volume and then things like half PPR with no bonus favors variance, favors touchdown. So I just think that with wider, um, uh, I shouldn't say wider, with looser salary and or lower salary ceilings um, for some of the best players and and more high variance scoring, it's it's it just makes sense that FanDuel sets up better for GPPs and DraftKings sets up better for cash. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of people that will just disagree with me because they do better on FanDuel and do mm -hmm. worse on DraftKings. That, that's fine. That's just the way I think about it. It makes sense to me that that's how I attack those. So my my um, cash action is is a little heavier on DraftKings, but I, I I think if you understand the nuances in the sites, you can adjust for that when you're building lineups. So I mean I I play all all three sites. When I say all three, I throw Yahoo in there for for everything. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's how I, I look at the, the differences in those two sides. Good. Lastly, yeah, let's take some advantage of this. <clears throat> Much like Trey Burton last week. Let's mm -hmm. take advantage. What are we looking yeah, at? Yeah, so so that's the that's kind of like what got me going on this. Because I, I, I had seen it a few times just because I, I review ownership every week. And obviously, I'm projecting ownership. And I want it to be as accurate as possible. And I think we do a, a pretty good job of it. Um but it caught my eye because in the Sunday Million, Trey Burton was only two points, only two point eight percent owned. He was the he was the in the winning Sunday Million lineup on Fanduel, but only two point eight percent owned. And like I was like, what? That's crazy because on DraftKings, we we I wrote him up as a cash game play on Fanduel. A lot of people were talking him up on on DraftKings because he was just a salary saver, but and he was. In the the DraftKings um, uh, millionaire, he was almost fifteen percent owned, and he was like a forty percent owned in, in in double ups or something like that. So I, this is what made me like, let me look at all of these examples and figure out what the hell is going on. So basically, when you have a Trey Burton last week, because again, because we had an Alexander Madison and a James Conner and a James Robinson that were going to be popular, that were priced together because their ownership was going to be crazy on Fandle, a little bit lower on DraftKings, and because you didn't need to pay down for, you didn't need to punt fan on Fandle at tight end or at defense. And on DraftKings, you basically had to punt somewhere. Trey Burton became a really good tournament play on Fandle because you're going to be able to differentiate with him at 3%, not only differentiate because he's low owned, but different 
differentiate because he's in a unique pricing tier where on DraftKings, I mean, he was still a good play because you still want a lot of points. You want a player that scores twice, but if he's 15% owned and he makes your lineup look like a bunch of other people's lineups, then like he's just all of a sudden not that great of a tournament play. So the point is if you understand all of these points that I went through that when this these unique scenarios happen where we get these what look like popular pump plays on DraftKings, they're not going to be popular plays on FanDuel. So to kind of circle back to your question, which one do I prefer? This is a perfect example where if you're playing cash games on DraftKings and you see a situation like this comes up, you could run it back to FanDuel and say, I don't think this guy's going to be popular on FanDuel. Even though he's super chalky, people just don't need, you need to understand how lineup construction works. People aren't going to need to punt him. People aren't going to need to pay down for him. So he might draw sub 5% ownership on FanDuel in a week where he's drawing 15% ownership on DraftKings. And that's a really important thing to know. And then at the same time, if we know that these Jonathan Taylor's, James Robinson, it's going to happen with running backs a lot, almost exclusively running backs um, because of how FanDuel scoring is set up, that these guys are going to draw 45% ownership on FanDuel when they're only drawing 20 to 25% on DraftKings. That lets us know we really need to change our approach to how we're building our tournament lineups when these situations come up. So if we look at winners from the millionaire and from the Sunday million, every winner this year for the Fandle Sunday million has had a running back that's been in at least 25% of lineups. Six of the uh, five of the six have been at least 30% of lineups. If we go over to DraftKings, we've only had two lineups where the millionaire winner had a running back in over 25% of lineups. And again, that just goes back to like how ownership is going to project out on the site. You're just going to have these, these chalkier running backs on FanDuel are going to draw way higher ownership. So you have to change how you differentiate in your lineup. So let's just use tight end as an example. The DraftKings millionaire winners, they've had a, tight end with an average ownership of 8% on FanDuel, where they've had super chalky running backs, where you don't have to differentiate as much at other positions. Their tight end has only had an average ownership of 4.8%. They've had one, two, three, four of the tight ends have been sub 5% owned. So you just have to like, if you're going to be super chalky, if you're going to have a running back, that's going to be in 40% of lineups and you're still going to win a tournament you're going to need a player that isn't only 1% of lineups. Whereas on DraftKings, if you have a player that's, if your highest home guy is only going to be 25%, you might need a 5% player, or you might need only one sub 5% player where on FanDuel, you might need just like the big, you might need two sub 1% players because you have to offset that crazy high 40% ownership on your running back. So, the point is, we just need to be able to understand what the average ownership of our lineup is going to be. And knowing that those running backs are going to get jacked up ownership on FanDuel and that these pump plays are going to get jacked up ownership on DraftKings can let us adjust when we build our tournament lineups so you don't end up in a situation where you have two very similar lineups, one on FanDuel, one on DraftKings, and you think, oh, that's contrarian enough. It might be on one site and it might not be on the other. Just fade the pun on DK. 
Don't pun. <laughs> What's that? Don't pun on DK. Well, I mean, you you can. Of course, you should. You it's should. it's gonna be you're you're just gonna get you're gonna run into these pump plays are gonna draw higher ownership mm-hmm. on DraftKings. Like they're gonna save you salary, but you have to know that a Trey Burton might be fifteen percent on DraftKings when he's three thousand dollars. Whereas on FanDuel, if you have the perfect storm like we did last week, he's not gonna be in any lineup. Yeah, Irv Smith and. Mm-hmm. It, and uh, Burton was the only two guys I had last week. Every yeah. other part of my lineup sucked, but I had both those guys in my – those were the two guys that worked and worked well, except uh, Alexander Madison and Mike Davis and Jameson Crowder. None of those other guys really wanted to participate in my winning money. So didn't work yeah, out. Yeah, I think Irv Smith fit the same – Yeah, so it, the same situ- so it was the same situation with Irv Smith last mm-hmm. week. So – if you were playing on DraftKings, he came in eleven percent ownership. He obviously didn't work out, but if you if you say you start on DraftKings, you might just already be like in that mindset that like he's he's a good pump play, um, not realizing he's going to draw eleven percent ownership. You go over to FanDuel, forty three hundred, still insanely cheap. He was only in two percent of lineups, so eleven percent versus two percent DraftKings to FanDuel. And that again, that has a lot to do with the tight end floor. the 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 salary floor for tight end is way lower on DraftKings than it is on Fanduel. But you also have a lot of times a lower ceiling for these top or mid tier guys on Fanduel. So it's a it's a double whammy, and that's why we're seeing it. And and um, I, I think it's important to pay attention to. I'm gonna hopefully implement it better into our projections. This is this is seems like new data for me. Um, at the Early on in the season, definitely wasn't accounting for it. I, I, I tried to the last couple of weeks, definitely made a bigger effort this week. Um, so hopefully it helps people out. Hopefully people are paying attention to those little nuances. Albert Akue Bunam. Yeah. Well, Fant might be back this week, though. Right. That That's contingent on, on Fant. But if he's not, I mean, he could be a player where he – if he starts gaining some steam on DraftKings, if a couple of people talk him up, he could end up being like an eight or nine percent guy on DraftKings, and he might be a one percent guy on Fanduel. It really is important. interesting. It's very different. It's a really big difference. Yeah, the punts this week are just like if John is messed up, do you go back to Ferkser? Mm. You know, uh, too Drew much. Sample at three two. Yeah, looking. you don't like you don't have to force a punt. And again, and like no, this, you don't. The, this 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 information, this data, it's not going to come up every, every single week. Um, but it's it's definitely worth noting that it's possible and that it can happen, and, and to be aware of it when you're building the lineups. Yeah, I'm just scrolling through this here, seeing who the guy would fit the bill this week. I get was I guess it would be him, or it's only because of injury, and that's really what happened last week with Burton and Smith. So. Yeah, and and I mean it, it applies to defense as well. So I mean mm-hmm. if if someone like a Washington at twenty five hundred or or another cheap defense, I don't know who's super cheap um, uh, that we would want to use. Like maybe I don't know. Maybe if people get frisky with either Detroit or Atlanta, just because they're crazy cheap, like they might end up drawing some ownership on DraftKings, but none on on Fanduel, just because there's again they're the floors lower on DraftKings and you just, the, the necessity on FanDuel to go that low isn't really there. Anything else? We get through that? That was quick. Uh, yeah, man, I, I, I think we covered it all. Um, obviously, uh, um, you know, we're, we're going to try to reflect this in the projection. So definitely check that out and, and uh, 
if you're in the Discord, hit me up, and I'll try to uh, clarify anything that needs clarification. You got it, buddy. We got uh, 25% off with the code DFSMVP. DFSMVP, 25% off. Deal's still going on, and you'll still get more than half the regular season. Yeah, and we have... uh, We still have, shoot, what? three and a half months left and and the the price dropped in october to 75 bucks so you're getting 25 percent off the 75 dollar price original 99 dollar price so you still get a ton of value if you use that coupon all right sir you want to say goodbye yeah uh if you want more of us obviously you could find us on twitter you can find holden at holden radio four for four is at four for four football i'm at tj hernandez We'll catch you guys next week. I said it's the I'm the Killer.